Do you want to have conversations with the Adventures in Angular crew and their guests? Do you want to support the show? Now you can. Go to adventuresinangular.com slash forum and sign up today. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 17 of the Adventures in Angular podcast. This week on our panel we have Aaron Frost. Hello. Joe Eames. Hey everybody. John Papa. Hello from the West Coast somewhere. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we have a special guest, Mishko Hevery. Hello. We had you on the last episode, and I think people generally know who you are. We brought you on to talk about AtScript. Do you want to kind of give us a brief overview, and then we can start rapid-fire questions at you? Sure. So AtScript is, uh, you know, we looked at JavaScript, and we said, you know, wouldn't it be great if we had a couple of features to make the developers' jobs even easier so they could be even more expressive about the code that they wanted to write? And for that, we kind of came to the conclusion it would be really nice to have this concept of annotations. Now, this is very familiar in like languages like Java. And also, if you have a very large-scale project, I'm talking about 50 people working in a kind of a large-scale application, no one person can keep everything in their heads, and so it's useful to have some kind of a type system. But having a type system is actually, and having these annotations at, at compile time is not sufficient. You actually have to have them at runtime. And so you have to have some kind of introspection API. So what AdScript really deals with is this ability to bring all this metadata to runtime so that frameworks can take advantage of it and give the developers a really awesome experience in building their applications. Awesome. So one of the first questions I've got for you is, and it sounds awesome, and I've used TypeScript in the past, I've used CoffeeScript and things like that, and I was in Java and C Sharp, but what does runtime introspection get you that the design time stuff that things like TypeScript has doesn't give you? Okay, right. can, can I stop you real quick? What do you mean by runtime introspection? Or maybe okay. that's the same question. Uh, I think it's the same question. So in TypeScript, you can say uh, something is a string, and you can verify at uh, compile time that it indeed is a string. Now, there's a limit to what kind of verifications you can do because you have to know, f- for example, where you got the value, where the function you called to receive the value, whether that one is properly typed. And if it isn't, then you might not be able to verify that it actually isn't, is a string. Now, if you can verify that everything is correct, that's nice. But what you really would like to do is use the type information for dependency injection to assemble the application. And if you have types, you essentially have all the information to assemble it. So, for example, if you have a house and a house says, I need a door, and a door says, I need a lock, then if you have a dependency injection system, you can just say, hey, give me a house, and the DI system will say, okay, let's see, what does the house need? And it introspects onto the house and says, okay, what does the constructor parameter say? And the constructor says, well, I need to take a, a door, and now it can recurse onto itself and says, okay, what does the door need? It can again introspect the door and says, oh, I need a lock. So then it knows I have to instantiate a lock, I have to take the lock instance, put it in a door, take the door instance, put it in the house, and there you go, I can return to you the house. And if you look at the syntactically, all the information is there, but semantically the information isn't present at runtime in something like TypeScript or CoffeeScript. And because it's not present at runtime, the DI cannot do its magic. So what we're doing is just extending something we all know and love, which is types to various degree. I mean, I'm not saying types are be all end all and bringing the information to the runtime so that we can have frameworks such as DI help you by assembling the application for you and make your life easier. So it sounds like if I heard you correctly, 
basically this is to help dependency injection with the next version of Angular, right? It's not just dependency injection. Dependency injection is part of it. The other part of it is, for example, currently the way we register formatters, uh, or I think they're called filters in 1.x, and also the way we register directives is this very convoluted directive registration object. And it would be much better if you just could create a class, say, I am an ng-repeater, and then annotate it with something like, oh, this is a directive. And then inside of the directive annotation, you place all the necessary information about what its dependencies are, what the bindings are, what kind of bindings it has, and so on. And by placing that information in kind of a annotation style, it becomes much easier to reason about it, but also much easier to just kind of understand what the code is trying to do, you know, the intent of the code, rather than something convoluted like the directive definition object what we have today. So, so it's not just the I, it's other pieces as well. And so let me actually go f- further. This usefulness is not just for frameworks like Angular, but for other frameworks. For example, in Node.js, Express is a very popular framework. And imagine you could just have next version of, of kind of the future version of Express could basically be where you have a bunch of methods and you could just annotate methods saying that this method should be called when a request comes in the following URL. This method should be called when it's a post versus this method should be called when it's a guest. Oh, by the way, this method should be an interceptor and it should run in front of all other methods. So as you can see, it's not just for Angular, but any kind of frameworks out there that we know and love could benefit by be having a declarative kind of a nature and specify what, which would allow a user, the developer, to specify the intent of the application through these directives in a declarative fashion rather than through some convoluted, you know, add this to this thing, API kind of a thing. So if you're building a directive or controller or service or factory or one of the other 20 things you can do in Angular today, we do Angular module dot and then that thing. Uh, it's actually a function name. In the new world, with that script, we'd be able to just create a class, a regular old TypeScript class or ES6 mm-hmm. class, and then just create an annotation on top of it to say that's a directive, right? That's right. That's a directive, or this is a filter known as formatters in, in 2.0. And just by adding that annotation, you're immediately giving information to the system how to register it, add it, and so on. And those annotations are, so the class stuff, that's just ES6, but the annotations, those are at script, right? Correct. Okay, I'm just trying to clarify what is today ES5. So we're in a strange world today. We've got ES5. ES6 is coming already here in some cases for people. And then we're talking about TypeScript and AtScript. So there's like four levels of things, <laughs> for lack of a better word, to, to think about. Right. And I think the very important point to be made here is that we are not changing what is out there. We're not subtracting or modifying anything out there. We're purely just adding introspection and annotations. And this is an important point because it means that your existing ES5 code is a valid AdScript code. Your existing ES6 code is a valid AdScript code. So you can kind of have a progressive enhancement to your code base rather than saying, you know, oh, by the way, it's a brand new language that changes everything and we fixed all the mistakes. But the side effect of all that is, well, it's not really compatible with existing libraries. It doesn't play with the ecosystem that you all know and love. Your semantics are slightly different, so you can't just interface with them between the same, uh, you know, on the same web page. You cannot interface between languages easily and so on. Uh, this isn't the case, right? We're not trying to fix any mistakes that are exist in Java. We're purely just adding in a progressive enhancement kind of way uh, new benefits that you can get. So the first question that comes to mind is if I'm authoring in Angular 2.0 and I want to create a directive, 
do I have to use the annotation? No, you could uh, do it in the good old-fashioned way in ES5. Now, it wouldn't be the old-fashioned as in 1.x, because that has a slightly that's had that horrible API of the directive definition object, which maybe we could kind of bring back for backwards compatibility or migration path or something like that. I mean, we can worry about that in the future. But the annotations, if you think about what an annotation is, it is just an extra property on the type factory. Uh, so there's a, a function factory class, and you can just place an extra annotation on it. And the property is annotations. And so when you say, uh, again, let's take an example of uh, my filter. Uh, suppose you have a my filter, and you, you annotate it with add filter name my filter. It's the same thing as just creating a function type my filter, and below saying my filter dot annotations equals bracket new filter because the filter is just a class, and in parentheses you pass in all the parameters. So in other words, the at annotation symbol with some class is the same exact thing as saying and replacing the at symbol with the new keyword, and then taking the resulting object and assigning it to the array called annotations on an object. So we've just simplified a few steps that you don't have to do the assignment and you can put the annotations in front of the function rather than behind the function. But fundamentally, that is what's happening. And because it's so simple, it means that you can do this in ES5 today. So you can take advantage of these this declarative nation of things uh, and this intent. But again, you're not forced to use add script. You can uh, happily write ES5 code and get these benefits. It's just going to be slightly more verbose. So can we switch gears for, for just a second and think about this? I'd like to make this really clear to people because I don't think it's been clear in the last couple of weeks out there. Is do you have to use AtScript or not if you use Angular 2? What's the vision right now? No, you don't have to use AtScript. Okay. But it's going to give you more features, obviously, I mean, things you're talking about. By using AtScript, what you gain is the ability, at the fundamental level, it just means when you have a directive declaration, at the bottom of the directive declaration, you will say dot annotations equals bracket new directive, blah, blah, blah. And the problem is that the, the declaration is at the bottom of the function, and the function could be very long, and you really want it at the top of the function, right? And so by using add script, you essentially get to put it at top of the function, and instead of using the new keyword, you get to place the add symbol in front of it. That's one thing. The other piece that you gain is that if it's a directive, you also have to do dollar inject on it, which is, are you familiar with, with that from Angular 1X? And that would be populated automatically for you because the type system would provide that information from the types. Uh, again, if you don't use add script, you will just have to do it manually. But there's nothing in there that in any way forces anybody to do this. So I had a question, Mishko. Yeah. Who did you work on AtScript with? Like, who designed it? Was it just you in a box, in a vacuum, or who worked with you on it? Uh, so the whole Angular team uh, worked on this, and it really came from the frustration that we know how these annotations are useful in uh, on a server side in languages like Java, and in Java they're actually used all over the place, and they have quite a rich ecosystem, and many frameworks uh, allow you to, to take advantage of them. And we kind of realized that there is really nothing equivalent in JavaScript and all of these crazy hacks we're doing like dollar inject equals and, you know, the, the bracket notation and the parentheses notation that we have for injection. They're just all kind of hacks. And, and the real problem with these hacks is that they're Angular specific hacks. And so the 
question really came to us was, can we some way extend the language of JavaScript and eventually propose it to the ECMAScript committee in a way that would allow us to have standardized ways of expressing the, these annotations. So it wouldn't be Angular specific like dollar inject, but rather a generic mechanism by which others can extend this. And this came in to, essentially in two forms. From the very, very beginning, it was very clear for us that whatever we come up with has to be compatible with ECMAScript 5. In other words, if we choose to do this, it should in no way mean that all of a sudden you have to drive your existing tool set or whatever and you have to move to, uh, to this new language or, or whatever you want to call this, but rather that this should be a progressive enhancement that if you would like, you could get these benefits, you could have a cleaner syntax, but you could still do everything you need to do in ECMAScript 5. Now, one rumor that I heard was that AtScript is based upon or is a superset of TypeScript. Is that true? Or are they closely related? So it's not exactly true today. This is our goal. We are in talks with uh, the script folks, and the TypeScript folks already have a type system uh, that they're proposing for JavaScript. Now, currently, their type system is based off of ECMAScript 3, but they have a personal goal to align it with ECMAScript 6. And so for the TypeScript, in, you know, what we're really interested in is the introspection part. In other words, being able to look at the these type annotations and, anno- and metadata annotations at runtime and use that to control the behavior of the application. And they're missing that specific piece. And so rather than inventing a whole new type system that would be yet another type system that would further complicate the standardization process, we're basically saying, hey, let's just look around what's the most popular thing out there. It looks like TypeScript is the most popular. It also is this progressive enhancement thing that a ECMAScript 3 is a valid TypeScript program. Now, as I said, they're not ECMAScript 6 yet, but their goal is to become ECMAScript 6. And when that happens, then AtScript and TypeScript will be aligned. So you said that their goal is to be ECMAScript 6. When you say there, are you talking TypeScript in that case? TypeScript, yes. And I don't want to yeah. speak for them, but that's my understanding from the chats we have had with them. Right. So I've talked to the team in the past on this too, and, and I, I have a love-hate relationship with TypeScript to be very open and honest about it. I, there's certain things I love about it, some things I'm kind of like, eh. But I believe that is their goal, other than there's some additional things, just like you guys, that they feel like ECMAScript 6 won't have, but would be nice to have, like types, for example. Because that's not going to be an ES6, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. So this is the types in the sense that when you have a function declaration, you can optionally, and the, the, the keyword here is optional, I cannot stress this enough, you can optionally specify additional type information about what you expect or what you're going to return. And the optional thing is super important because there is a, if you want to work with existing set of libraries, you cannot expect everybody to automatically start adding type system. And frankly, types are not all the thing that they're cracked up to be. You know, if I am a team of one or two people, it's not clear that types are really that beneficial. And also it's not clear that they're beneficial for a small project. Types really start to shine when you have a team of 50 people, you know, a couple of mi- million lines of code and no one person knows the whole system, all of a sudden types become definitely an important guideline or kind of an important light for you to shine on on your source code uh, so that you can get around. So 
it is very important that we don't make this mandatory and that it is, this is totally optional. If you think you can benefit from types, then by all means, go ahead and use them. Uh, if you don't think that they are beneficial to you, then you know keep doing what you've been doing. And again, to stress this, an ES5 or ES6 is a valid will be valid TypeScript when TypeScript gets aligned with ES6 and is a valid AdScript program today. So you can start without with no types and then at some point in the future say, you know, I, I really could benefit from this thing. And so you can uh, turn on type checking for yourself without affecting any of the existing code base. So it sounds like this is going to be a cool tool for pretty much any project, like thinking about using a node and thinking about other frameworks using it. Sounds like it could be pretty cool. So as I was thinking about how cool it sounded when you're talking, I'm wondering who's going to maintain this project because if it's like in the Angular repo on GitHub, I'm imagining that that will like shy a bunch of people away from using it. So who's going to maintain this? Is it the Angular team or are you guys going to have like own repo? It's, it's just Misko by himself, man. <laughs> <laughs> So as of right now, in order to get started and, you know, get things going, it is currently an Angular repo. Once we get Angular 2 out and, you know, many of these things get ironed out, we're going to move it into its own repository. And once it's its own repository, uh, we are actually actively looking for uh, people to maintain this. We have some budget for several, um, individuals to, to kind of work on this full time. So the kinds of things we would like to do with AdScript, you know, it, it, what we have today is just the syntax and we have a tracer which can transpile this for introspection. We also can generate runtime checks when you say something is a string, we'll verify at runtime that it's indeed a string. So we can do that today. What we would like to add is kind of an offline you know, static analysis uh, with a combination of inference engine so that you can statically, just like TypeScript has these language services that plug in very well to the IDEs. Same exact idea here is that we would like to analyze these code base uh, statically and then provide you helpful hints that could also optionally be integrated into an IDE. That's really cool. Have you actually maybe spoken with like the IDE that I feel like is most responsive to these sorts of things is JetBrains WebStorm, which I personally love. Have you guys actually had any preliminary talks with them about this? Yes, we're chatting with them. We're also chatting with NetBeans. And so we're actively reaching out to the IDEs, giving them heads up what's coming up. And from the IDEs point of view, it's actually not a lot of work. I mean, I don't want to spo- speak to them too much, but you know, because it is essentially just ES6 and it is essentially just TypeScript, they just have to add a couple of new things into their parser so that they don't barf on this new syntax and then everything else is already handled by the existing parser. So it is an, is also for IDEs, it's an incremental improvement that they can add to the system and add support for this. Well, I think that's what makes TypeScript so attractive to some of these other editors already, like I know Visual Studio and others. They use the types to actually get better tooling in those IDEs. But if I could switch gears, or maybe we already kind of covered this a little bit already, is I hear a lot this not invented here syndrome. You know, so this is being used for Google, for Angular, but is there a use for AdScript outside of Angular that you could talk about? And what other web tech is influencing your directions besides kind of just what Angular is doing with it? 
Right. So I kind of already touched on it that, you know, imagine you have an express server and instead of configuring the express in the current way, you could just have methods and you could annotate these methods that basically would say something like this method is for a get request on the following URL and the following things have to be extracted out of the URL. This is a post method or put method and so on. So really any framework can really benefit from uh, being able to declaratively give the developer declarative tools of specifying intent rather than getting the intent through a, an imperative kind of programmatic API. So I see the benefit for it is way beyond Angular. And if you kind of want to see what the benefits could be like, again, I would direct you to look at the Java ecosystem and the annotations and how much use they get in that ecosystem. And it's, it's used everywhere from, you know, writing unit tests to writing frameworks and everything in between. Yeah, I have to say that I have a lot of friends who are very involved in writing Java and what Mishko is talking about is exactly what, you know, they complain about when they go to a weekly typed or non-typed system such as JavaScript or Ruby. This is a very good point you bring up and you know, a lot of backend developers are moving towards front end. And in some ways, they're really afraid, like, hey, what what'd you do with my types? You know, I, I've been used to them for so long. Where are they? And why can't I have my annotations and et cetera? And all of these things are beneficial to the community at large. These are not benefits just for Angular. And this is why I don't know how to stress this further. Yes, like, yes, it's coming from an Angular team, but in no way is this thing Angular specific. Was the driving force behind inventing AtScript essentially you and the problems that you were having, or was it a reflection of bigger things? It wasn't necessarily a problem for us. It was more, you know, we spent a lot of thing debating and thinking about the end user and developer. We want to make sure that the developer experience, the people who are actually building the web applications, that those people have a wonderful experience. And you know, we end up debating all kinds of things, anything from the dependencies between different classes so that it, because all these things impl- implicate how testability is going to be possible, how the application gets assembled, etc. And this is yet another way that we debate the system in terms of like, you know, how can we allow the declarative nature of uh, assembling the application into a more explicit manner so that the developers have easier time to understand the code. And remember, it's not just writing the code, but it's also when somebody else comes to a project, there's, they're a new person to a project, they, they want to understand how the system is put together. And when they can look at things that are declarative, these are kind of global statements that make sense all the time, whereas imperative code only makes sense when you're executing and when the right set of fields and properties are set in the right particular way. And so there's very localized what you can infer from from imperative code. And I think, I'm not saying that declarative is be-all and end-all, rather that you need to have a balance of both of them. And currently, we have this very rich imperative world, and we have a very, very poor declarative world. So it's not like I'm saying everything should be declarative. It's rather that there are situations for which the declarative hammer is better than the imperative hammer, but yet we don't have the declarative hammer, and this is what we're bringing to the table. Interesting. We've talked about a lot about what AppScript is and kind of where it's coming from and those thoughts, but if somebody wants to get started learning more about it, beyond you know, watching your video up there, is there, are there plans for putting more material out there for people to get up to speed? There are. Actually, Wojtaina has a playground set up in his repository on GitHub, 
And in that playground, you can, you can grab it and we have set up the whole thing where we set up the gulp, the karma, uh, and the whole environment is, is basically ready to go. So you can just start plopping in source code and see how it goes. And speaking about the end user experience, one of the things we also care about is that we don't spend a lot of time compiling or like rather the transpile step is pretty seamless because it's very important for us that you should be able to just, you know, write code and um, hit alt tab and hit F5 or Alt-R and be able to see instant uh, response to your code. And so the way the compiler is, is set up is that it's on profile, it's integrated to Karma so you can write your tests with it, and it's all very seamless so that you're not even realizing that it's there. We have Gold is set up to automatically watch the file system and transpile file by file and so on. So uh, I think a, the playground is a good place to start because it kind of gives you the whole experience of what you can have if you have the environment set up properly. Ooh, you said Gulp twice. <laughs> I love Gulp. So I'm guessing Angular will have, it will essentially register some annotations that can be used. And then, then in our code, we'll just be like, hey, we'll annotate you know, a, a class with a, a directive annotation. And then the system will be like, okay, like Angular will know how to react to that annotation mm-hmm. being used. Is there documentation or like, will it be easy to add annotations or is adding a new annotation ugly? No, adding new annotation is absolutely trivial. All the annotation is, is a class declaration. As I said, if you say at foo, it just means that there is a class foo declared. And if you say at foo parentheses uh, string bar, then it just means that there is a foo who has a constructor that has a method. The constructor takes an argument, which happens to be a string that gets saved in, for example, a name. So making new annotations is super trivial. Okay, cool. That's awesome. That's what I wanted to know. All right. Well, if we don't have any other questions, let's go ahead and get the picks. Go ahead, Aaron. All right. So I'm going to pick Stop Complaining About Angular 2.0 because it makes you sound silly. (laughs) That's my pick. Awesome pick. Because 2.0 is going to be awesome. Don't complain about change because change is necessary. Don't complain about it's not going to be supported because it's going to be supported. Like, Stop complaining about 2.0. That's my pick for the week. People who are not complaining, that's my pick. (laughs) <laughs> I just have a really hard time complaining about something that I haven't seen yet. So, Is that also your uh, tip for Angular? I think I'm going to double up on that one. If we come back around to tips, that'll be my tip as well. Yeah, why don't you go ahead and uh, share a tip with us? So my tip is going to be, to if you don't complain about Angular 2.0, that's better than complaining about Angular 2.0. More effective? <laughs> yeah, that's my tip. You should All write right. a blog article, Complaining Found Harmful. <laughs> By the Ember team. FDA study <laughs> shows. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, Joe, what are your picks? My pick is going to be a restaurant we have here. I'm not sure if it's bigger than outside of Utah. It's called Blue Lemon. Awesome restaurant. And I'm not picking it just because the food was good, because the food was really good, but also because I think it's a great example of what design can truly do for your product. When you go in, the entire experience is designed. It's very clean. It just makes you feel very comfortable eating their food. From the chairs to the colors, everything, the way the whole restaurant is designed, really does a good job of giving you a great eating experience and making you comfortable and enjoying their food. So I'm going to pick the restaurant Blue Lemon. Cool. We should do like a Utah lunch meet up there or something. Yeah, it's a good one. Definitely a good place to eat. And then my angular tip will be a new backend as a service that has uh, Angular directives called Backend, B-A-C-K-A-N-D. They're um, 
sort of similar to Firebase, but what's unique about them is you can actually use a relational database on the back end or a non-relational data store, data store on the back end. They kind of just run interference for you, but you can use your own schema. It's a really cool, very interesting back end as a service. And it looks like they are going to be present at ng-conf, which is very cool. Very nice. All right. So my pick this week is a book. It's called The Legacy Journey by Dave Ramsey. It really made an impact on me and I really enjoyed it. So, And, you know, I don't really have an Angular tip this week. So I'm just going to pass on that. Uh, Mishko, do you have a pick for us? Yeah, I really like this podcast. It's called, let me think, uh, Adventures in Angular. You should really listen to that. That's my pick. You should go on that podcast, dude. I should? Should I? Maybe yeah. one day I'll get invited. I, 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 I hear you know a little about Angular, so I think you'd be you a good guest. You just used recursion. I predict now that anybody who's watching our podcast will, or listening to it will actually be listening to it now. Yeah, <laughs> all of our current listeners will listen. Awesome. Do you have a tip for us? Tip? If you have something useful to share, please share it constructively. Uh, you, and, you and Aaron must be friends. You're here. <laughs> If you want somebody to listen to you, actually, you know, if your goals are just to whine, that's one thing. If you want somebody to listen to you, be constructive. Yes. Well, I'm good at whining. Everybody's good at whining. I'm very good at it, too. But, you know, if you want it to actually have an effect to, to change the world and have the, for example, if you want to whine about Angular Team and you want Angular Team to actually do something different, you know, they give it to us in a very constructive way in which we can use it and, and incorporate it in some way. We'd love feedback, which is not very keen on whining. Charles, can I do a pick? Oh, did I skip Sorry. you? Go ahead. I have a pick, which is my... I have an NG Clean Code course that uh, I put out about a month ago from Pluralsight. And one of the reasons I'm picking this is that there's things that I do in there which align with getting people ready for what's coming with Angular. and kind of using patterns and being consistent because I think being consistent with the way you go to Angular is important for the team to be able to provide a migration story down the road. So I th- that's one of my picks there. And then my tip is there's a filter. And this is kind of an old school tip. There's a filter called JSON in Angular. And I use this a lot to do debugging. When I've got some kind of a binding, you can use Batarang or Inspector or other plugins to do this. But if you just do pipe JSON on your model, and then you can print it right to the screen, even inside of pre if you want to get fancy, uh, a lot of times that's just really helpful to see what am I actually binding to. So it's a really old school way of just putting it out. That was definitely intentional on our part. This was our original debugging story. Yeah, I love that you guys left that in. I mean, it's it's a great... I use it all the time. Pre-battering? Pre-battering, that's right. Nice. Yeah, gotta love the print statement, basically, for debugging. Alert! Alert, alert! Before we wrap up, I've been working on pulling together a mobile JavaScript roundtable where we could have that discussion but we, we've had to reschedule it, so if you were worried that it was too late, it's not too late. Go to jspowerup.com or text MobileJS to 38470, and uh, we'll get you the details on that as soon as we have them with the rescheduling. So uh, apologize for that, but keep an ear out. And other than that, thanks for coming, Mishko. We'll wrap up, and we'll catch everyone next week. It's a pleasure to be here. This episode is sponsored by Mad Glory. You've been building software for a long time, and sometimes it gets a little overwhelming. Work piles up, hiring sucks, and it's hard to get projects out the door. Check out Mad Glory. They're a small shop with experience shipping big products. They're smart, dedicated, will augment your team, and work as hard as you do. Find them online at madglory.com or on Twitter at madglory. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net.
Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more. <laughs> 